Good morning, Hope Church. Let's pray as we begin this morning. Father, we want to thank you. Thank you because you are faithful. Thank you for your goodness towards us. And Father, I pray, would you give us faith today? Lord, would you speak to us today? Lord, would you help us today? In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we come to week eight or part eight in our Faith in Action series. This is the last in this series. Uh, I've entitled this one Pushing Through because I think this is where it leaves us right at the end. Uh, by now, you should begin to see the pattern of faith uh, that these actions of these men and women are bringing. You should begin to see that there is a repeatable and predictive pattern that we can discern from their lives. Now, we could go on and look at different characters, um, but we would find the same elements at work each time. And today I want to focus on those elements of faith and action uh, rather than looking at other characters. And then at the end, I'm going to round up this chapter of Hebrews 11. I know I haven't covered it in full detail, um, but we should already have a, a good idea of what it contains. And perhaps you can study the rest of the people yourself. Verse 1 and 2 of Hebrews 11 is actually a really good summary of the chapter. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And so we see this whole chapter is a fulfillment of that. The ancients, those mentioned in the chapter, were commended for being sure and certain of what God had promised. So let me talk about these elements of faith. Element one is this, that faith always starts with God. All faith starts with God. And what I mean by that is that God is the initiator. God was there first. God spoke first. Uh, God promised first. When we arrive on the scene, God is already there. A large proportion of Hebrews 11 is the fulfillment of God's promise through successive generations. This is seen from Isaac all the way down to Moses and beyond. This means that God has already got a plan before we get there. It, this means that God is the architect with a plan. And when we arrive, it may look like an empty building plot. And we might think, oh, we have plans. This is what we want to do. But let me tell you, we need to align ourselves with God because he already has a plan. It gives me great confidence in knowing I do not have to work out the plans. I just have to tune in to what God's plan is. And just here is where we see faith in action. The ancients, as we've heard, they heard God, they found out what he wanted, and they got into it by faith, by believing. They got involved and they fulfilled God's promises. And I want to encourage you this morning, get involved in what God's doing. Not your plan, God's plan. Ask yourself, why am I here? Lord, what did you save me for? Why have you placed me here in West Brom, in Sandwell or wherever? Why am I working in this job? Why am I connected to Hope Church? What is your plan that you want me to fulfill that is part of the wider plan of God's uh, plans throughout many, many generations. So number one, the plan, or should I say, uh, number one, that faith always starts with God. Number two, the plan or promise of God is always humanly impossible. Yep, you heard me right. You cannot fulfill the plan of God. Well, what's the point, you may ask? What's the point? Well, the point is faith. 
You know, we've got to believe that it's possible, even though it seems impossible. Every plan of God is beyond the scope of human beings to make it happen. If the plan that you believe God has given you is humanly possible, it's not the plan of God. You might think I'm crazy. Let me tell you, there is not one plan in Scripture that was humanly possible without divine power and intervention. If the plan that God has given you seems so impossible, you think I can't do this, then you're on the right track. And I want to encourage you, keep going, keep believing, keep trusting. You know, the reason that these plans of God are beyond the scope of us to make it happen is that they require faith. In every life that we've looked at so far, it was impossible for them to make the promise happen. They had to trust that God would do it and God came through. So number two is that the plan and promise of God is not humanly possible. Number three, believing is always a choice. In each instance that we've looked at, it's evidently clear that the individual chose to believe God when they could have chosen something else. They could have chosen not to believe God and to believe the people around them. Despite impossibility, despite opposition, despite criticism, despite the length of time that it took for these things to come to pass, these men and women made a choice. I am going to believe what God has said, full stop. Element four of faith. We have to make the, cho the choice alone. This seems very similar to the last one that we have to choose, but let me tell you, I just want to add a bit onto that and make it point four, that we have to make this choice alone. Noah was one man in an evil generation. He had to go it alone. Abraham was on his own when he offered his son Isaac to God. Jacob had to send his family and all of his possessions across the ford before he wrestled with God. He was on his own. Joseph was a prisoner on his own. He was sold into slavery on his own. Moses was in the desert on his own when God spoke to him. Rahab was in Jericho and she had to make the decision on her own to save the Israelite spies. They all arrived at a place where it was them and God alone. And you will arrive in the same place. Let me tell you, faith is immensely personal and you are on your own. You cannot rely on other people. You need to trust God and you need to make the decision alone with God. Element five, only God's outcome is victory. Verses 39, um, sorry, I've got this wrong. Um, Hebrews 11, 32 to 40 um, says this. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. 
They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Now this is a really important part. Only God's outcome is victory. Why is that? Let me tell you. Because it says here, some conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, that was Daniel, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, became powerful in battle, routed foreign armies, received back their dead, raised to life. That's some. But others were tortured, faced jeers and flogging were chained and put in prison, were stoned to death, were sawn in two, were put to death by the sword and went about destitute. And yet it says in verse 39, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Remember, these were all commended for their faith. I have to remind you of that. They were all commended, no matter what the human outcome was. The outcome from God was that they lived by faith. Often, we only want victory in terms of a favourable human outcome. We want to win the lottery. We want to write a successful book. We want a church with thousands of people. We don't want to be the one in prison. We don't want to be the one put to the sword. But let me tell you that you, you, you know, the outcome is to do with what God has planned for our lives and us accepting that and taking a hold of that in faith. Faith in action includes torture, suffering and death. The point here is that we are looking at God's outcome, not our outcome. Victory in faith is not a large church, as I've said, with everybody healed. Victory in faith is accomplishing the plan of God for our lives. And the final element, element six, is that faith ends in a better resurrection. In the end, all humans will be resurrected. I don't know if this surprises you, but good or bad, evil or righteous, all humans will be resurrected from the dead. However, some will go to eternal life. Some will be thrown into hell. Some will receive an eternal reward, others an eternal punishment. How we live and act in faith will determine that final outcome. I want to move on to concluding this chapter. Um, as you may well know that when the Bible was orig originally canonized into the books, it didn't have chapter and verse numbers and they were added many, many years later. And sometimes the chapter numbers can be unhelpful. I don't know whether you found that, but you'll read a chapter and find that actually they stop it in the middle of a, a topic that goes together. And so I want to move forward because I believe this has happened here. I want to move forward to Hebrews chapter 12. And Hebrews chapter 12, we're only going to read verses 1 to 3, and they say this. Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, that therefore, we should ask, what is it therefore? It's a statement that follows on from everything that the writer has shared in Hebrews chapter 11. The writer himself calls us to action on the basis of what he has highlighted in this chapter of Hebrews 11 that we've been looking at over these past eight weeks. He uses the term let us three times and the term consider once. This is what he encourages us to do. Number one, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let me ask you, what is hindering your walk with God? What is hindering your life of faith? What is stopping you from fulfilling God's calling in your life? We are encouraged to get rid of those things, to follow in the footsteps of men and women of faith. These things may seem important now, but in perspective of eternity, they will be found to have very little or no value. I want to ask you to spend some time. Ask God in prayer. List the things that hinder. Ask him to bring them to mind. And then ask Jesus to help you to jettison these things that hinder. Do it one at a time. Don't try and jettison the whole lot. Start with one at a time. Get help. I am available. If I can help you in any way, please give me a call. And then when we remove these things that hinder, we move forward in Christ. The second thing he encourages us to do, he says, let us run the race with perseverance, the race marked out for us. This could easily have been two or three points, but I wanted to make it into one. We need to run the race. What race, you ask? It says here, the race marked out for us. God has a race for each one of us, a race that he has planned, a race that he has marked out. And as you run that race, you will see the markers as you hit them, the milestones as you fulfill God's plan for your life. God wants you to run with all the energy that you have. Notice how the writer makes this comment, to run with perseverance. This race will require perseverance. You know, I've, I've started jogging over the first lockdown. My daughter and I did a couch to 5K. I'm now doing a 5K to 10K. And every time I get out there, I put my trainers on and I start jogging, I get to a point where I want to stop and I need perseverance. I need to continue to put one foot in front of the other. And we need to keep going. We need to keep going with perseverance, which is why he mentions this. We need to set our minds that it will take time. Races have hills and valleys. Running up grinding slopes takes perseverance. We all like to be on the mountaintop, but it takes perseverance to get there. Run the race, my friend, 
I'm here to help you. I'm here to coach and equip you. In fact, if there is any way that I can help you, get in touch. But here's the thing. I cannot run your race for you. I can only run the race that God has marked out for me. However, part of my race is helping you in yours. Help you to get ready, help you to train, help you to complete it. So I want to encourage you, go for it. And if I can help you, please get in touch. The third thing he encourages us to do, he says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. This is such a great encouragement. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he is the author of your faith. Your faith starts from him. He is the perfecter of your faith. Not only do we have the church behind us in our race, but Jesus runs with us. Where I can't run with you in your race, Jesus can and has promised never to leave you or forsake you. He's with you right now in whatever difficulty, in whatever challenge. He's right there right now with you. Jesus has not only running with you, but he has gone ahead of you. He has run his own race. His race included the cross. His race included the shame of the cross. But we're told in this section in Hebrews 12 that he scorned that shame, that he ran with joy the path of the cross. Why? Because of what it would achieve. And not only that, Jesus finished his race. And he didn't just finish his race, but he won. He was victorious in his race. He got up on the podium and now he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. And that is why we fix our eyes on Jesus. Let me encourage you this morning, don't fix your eyes on others. They may not even finish the race. Don't fix your eyes on the spectators. They'll just put you off. They're not doing anything. They're just standing there watching and ignore those that are trying to stop you from running in the race. Put those blinkers on that horses have and look straight ahead at Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes because he's no longer on the cross. He's no longer running his race. When you look at him, when you see him, you will see him as the king of glory, crowned with glory and power, sitting on his throne, the place of victory. And when you get to the end of your race, you will join him on that throne. Wow, what an amazing thing. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And then he says, consider him. Now, we've already been told to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's in terms of our action and running. But then we're told to consider him. We're told to consider Jesus. Consider is a word that means slowing down and reflecting. We need to pause and ponder for a moment. Not only are we to consider Jesus, but we are to consider the opposition that he faced. Wow. Consider the opposition that Jesus faced. When you read through the Gospels, stop and pause for a moment and consider the immense opposition that Jesus went through. It's nice to consider his victory. Why should we consider his opposition? Here's the key. Jesus, the humblest, most loving and most gracious man in history, faced opposition. You cannot get through many pages of any of the Gospels without seeing the immense opposition that he faced from Jewish leaders to Roman occupiers, even from his own disciples. 
And when we consider this, we are told that we will not grow weary. We will not lose heart. It becomes a weapon for us. Whenever we face opposition, we remember Jesus faced opposition. We're in good company. Whenever uh, we see that it's hard and difficult, we saw that it was hard and difficult for Jesus. Whenever we suffer, we see that Jesus suffered and it strengthens us to continue and persevere in the journey. We're in good company. We can keep going. Jesus endured and overcame. We can endure and overcome. Even when we don't understand the situation, we can trust Jesus. Even when the burden is so immense that it's like blood being sweated out of our pores, we consider Jesus and we know he made it and we can make it because he is running with us and has filled us with the Spirit. So in conclusion, my friends, to end this study on Hebrews 11, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us run the race with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus and let's consider all of the opposition he faced and be encouraged and not lose heart. I want to finish with a few verses from Philippians 3, verse 12 to 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you that each one of us has a race that is marked out for us. And if you're sitting there and you're not sure about what race you should be running, I want to pray this morning that God would make it clear to you. I want to pray that you would understand the race, that you would see the markers. It says marked out for us. This race has been marked out. And Lord, that we would see the markers, that as we run along, that we would see the next marker and then the next marker and then the next marker. And so, Father, I pray for your people. Help us. Help us to persevere. Help us to throw off sin and things that hinder us. And Lord, I pray that you would inspire us and strengthen us. And Lord, that we would be that mighty army that moves heavenward towards that prize and that we would see that revival in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Have a really great day.